Since our colleague, the late Dr. Li Wenliang, sounded the first alarms of a novel coronavirus last December, COVID-19 has developed into a global pandemic. Not since the flu of 1918 has our society experienced this degree of threat to our health and to our happiness. This is a unique moment in our history, and we here at The Surgery Set are doing what we know how to do, which is to say podcasting, to help. We're telling the stories of this time from the people on the front lines. In these uncertain times, we want you to feel informed. We want you to feel supported. We want to give you the tools to be resilient in the face of what may be the hardest few months of our lives. And we want to remind you, frequently and forcefully, that you are awesome. These are the stories from the front line of this global crisis, featuring visits with the heroes who are making a difference when we need them the most, and ideas for how to stay well and balanced as we learn to live in social distance. From the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin, this is The Front Lines of COVID, a Surgery Set series. I'm Jonathan Kohler, a pediatric surgeon trying my best. Welcome. One of the pieces of news that has surprised me most about the COVID-19 pandemic, and let's face it, that list is getting really long, is the sudden shortage of blood products. Viral pneumonia is not something I associate with blood transfusions, unlike, say, trauma or cancer patients. But as you'll hear in my interview with Tom Rafe, our director of transfusion services, the blood shortage is very real, and it's an emergency in its own right. Unlike COVID, though, there is a very easy way to fix this problem, and everyone listening right now can help. Here's Tom. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I know things have been uh, pretty wild lately in the transfusion department, but uh, thank you for, for making the time to come with what I think is an incredibly important message about where we stand with blood products during this pandemic event and, uh, and what we need to do to, to get ourselves out of trouble. Thank you, Jonathan, for the opportunity to address this issue. I would just like to say at the outset that this COVID-19 pandemic has had a major impact, an ongoing impact on the blood supply throughout the United States and really throughout the developed world. The key thing that I'd like people to know is that the pandemic is a bit different from many disasters they may have heard about and participated in blood donation to help with in the past, such as hurricanes or weather-related disasters where parts of the country that were not affected could uh, step up and volunteer to donate blood to help out affected regions. This pandemic is different because it's affecting the entire country and indeed the entire world simultaneously so that it's having a, a more critical impact on blood supplies than we've ever seen before. It's entirely unprecedented. And so anything that our listeners can do to help out with blood donation is very welcome. When I first saw the, the notice saying that we needed blood, people need to give blood, we have a, a crisis in our blood supply, my first response was I was surprised because it, COVID-19 is, has not typically required a lot of blood transfusions, right? This isn't something where you think about you know, a mass shooting event, for instance, where there's going to be massive transfusion requirements. Why is it that blood is low, our blood supplies are low uh, in the setting of the pandemic? That's a great question, Jonathan. The thing about blood, unlike some medical supplies that are durable, is that there is no stockpile of blood anywhere in the United States. Blood simply doesn't keep. It has a very limited shelf life. Some products like platelets, which are life-saving for many, 
cancer patients and some surgical patients only last really four days on a shelf in a blood bank. So anytime there's a disaster like this, we absolutely depend on an ongoing supply of blood coming from our blood suppliers and our volunteer donors. So we absolutely need people to step up now and throughout this entire pandemic to keep our blood bank shelves supplied with blood. So the real issue is that the blood, we're using blood as part of the normal course of business and it's just not being replenished and uh, we're having to even, you know, discard things as they age out. I mean, such a critical point. And I think um, presumably the reason people aren't donating or re- reluctant to donate is because they think that there's there are risks associated with, with blood donation. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what what we know about the risks and what's being done to mitigate any potential risk from blood donation? One of the problems is that the restriction on social activity and interaction is causing many, many blood drives to be closed or canceled. As of last week, the American Red Cross, which supplies nearly half of the blood to the United States, had over 4,500 blood drives canceled, losing more than 150,000 donations of blood. And so those very appropriate social restrictions that people are abiding is having an unintended effect on the blood supply. And so it's important to understand that, as the Surgeon General said yesterday, that social restrictions on social interaction should not be interpreted as disengagement. So we have officials with the FDA, the director of the FDA, the director of the CDC, and the Surgeon General, among other leaders in the country, all coming out advocating for people to continue to participate in blood donation. And so we want people to understand that all of the blood collection facilities in the United States have undertaken special measures to make blood donation as absolutely safe as they possibly can and protecting participants as well as their own employees from transmission of the coronavirus. So we want people to understand that while restricting themselves from normal social interactions, as many of us are doing, that Blood donation is a special case and that the blood collection facilities are prepared to have people donate blood safely. Just really strikes me as something too that, you know, for all the people who are stuck at home, who can't go to work, who have this sort of feeling of powerlessness of being just sort of captive to their couches while they're waiting for this uh, pandemic to pass. You know, we in healthcare, we have a lot to do, but a lot of people are sort of out there thinking, how could I possibly help in this situation? And boy, this seems like a really good option. If you have a chance to get out and give some blood, that that really does contribute to the whole enterprise of uh, what we're trying to do here in healthcare. That's absolutely true, Jonathan. The uh, need for blood, as we said earlier, is going to be ongoing throughout the pandemic. And so one of the most important things people can do that's a tangible benefit that will save lives, it'll save the lives of surgical patients, oncology patients, babies, et cetera, trauma victims, is to help us keep adequate supplies of blood on the shelves in hospitals. And so I would encourage everyone listening to look at their websites of their local blood collection facilities, the American Red Cross and many other facilities, and see about making an appointment and talk to them about when it would be and where it would be helpful for them to consider coming and donating blood. That's a great point too, right? Don't just like show up at the doorstep and say, you know, look for a vein. Um, These are our by appointment so that we can spread out the 
the supply, right? That's exactly right. We need to keep an ongoing and steady supply of blood. So while it's common for people to respond quickly to calls for blood donation and other help in disasters like this and have them come out in large numbers early on, the key thing is to have a sustained response from the blood donor public so that throughout the duration of this disaster, we can have a steady supply. One last question has just kind of come up to me as we're talking. For people who are getting blood, um, do they need to worry about getting the coronavirus from uh, blood transfusion? Is that something that we're looking into? So far, there is no evidence that, and there are no reported cases of transmission of coronavirus via blood transfusion. The matter will require more study to be absolutely certain, but what we can take some comfort from is that past epidemics and pandemics with respiratory viruses, like the coronavirus, an example being SARS and some of the influenza epidemics that have come through, in no case in those previous respiratory virus epidemics were there any transmissions of those viruses via blood. That's certainly not always true with other kinds of viruses like Zika virus where there was blood transmitted uh, disease. But so far we're feeling comfortable from what we know about this virus and from past epidemics and pandemics that there will be no transfusion transmitted coronavirus. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. This has been hugely informative and I think, you know, just a great reminder of the fact that, you know, the rest of healthcare has to proceed apace as well, even as we deal with COVID-19. And and the way to do that is to have full blood fridges all across the country. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. And hopefully folks can uh, go out and find an appointment near them for a good blood donation. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for helping getting the word out. Tom Rafe is Professor of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine and Director of Transfusion Services at UW-Madison. For a list of links for places to find and make an appointment at a blood drive near you, see the show notes. These can seem like unprecedented times, and certainly nothing in living memory is quite like what we're living in the moment. But let's not lose sight of the fact that what's really unprecedented in the longer scope of history is having gone over 100 years without a deadly pandemic. It's easy to forget in this age of antibiotics and chemotherapy and advanced immunologic assays and, yes, easy blood transfusion, that by any real comparison, we live in an age of wonders. Here's a poem I love about how we pine for the good old days and maybe forget that the good old days were pretty plague-ridden and tubercular. It's called Miniver Chivi by E.A. Robinson, and it always makes me smile. Miniver Chivi, child of scorn, grew lean while he assailed the seasons. He wept that he was ever born, and he had reasons. Miniver loved the days of old, when swords were bright and steeds were prancing. The vision of a warrior bold would set him dancing. Miniver sighed for what was not, and dreamed and rested from his labors. He dreamed of Thebes and Camelot and Priam's neighbors. Miniver mourned the ripe renown that made so many a name so fragrant. He mourned romance, now on the town, and art, a vagrant. Miniver loved the Medici, albeit he had never seen one. He would have sinned incessantly could he have been one. Miniver cursed the commonplace and eyed a khaki suit with loathing. He missed the medieval grace of iron clothing. Miniver scorned the gold he sought 
but sore annoyed was he without it. Miniver thought and thought and thought and thought about it. Miniver Cheevy, born too late, scratched his head and kept on thinking. Miniver coughed and called it fate and kept on drinking. If you have an experience with COVID-19 you'd like to share or a question you want answered on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter at J.E. Kohler. That's K-O-H-L-E-R. You can also send me an email at Kohler at surgery.wisc.edu. If you want to hear about something other than COVID-19, our regular program is focused on the latest innovations in surgery, including interviews with the pioneers at its cutting edge. If you're new here, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Give our Facebook page a like and follow us on Twitter at Whisk Surgery. The Surgery Set is a production of the Department of Surgery at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. This episode was produced by Chelsea Johnson, J.P. Swenson, and me, Jonathan Kohler. It was edited by J.P. Swenson. Special thanks to Nicole Jennings, Rebecca Minter, and everyone else in our department pulling together during this adventure. Until next time, be well and stay in touch, friends. Remember, you can't stop the clock. This too shall pass. <laughs>